Welcome, everybody, to episode number one, the inaugural, uh, the new Goldie on Ice podcast covering the Florida Panthers in the NHL. I'm Steve Goldstein. Our producer for the show is Brett Markowitz. And coming up, we'll talk to Panthers director of player personnel, Brian McCabe, uh, the American Hockey League coach, Jordy Kinnear, and Panthers prospect, Riley Stillman, the son of former Panther, former NHLer, Corey Stillman. Want to thank our initial sponsors, Morris Southeast Group, Sides Foundation, and ONA Management Group. Our first ever guest on the Goldie on Ice podcast is Sportsnet NHL reporter in Canada. You see him all the time. He works, I think, 24-7, 365. He is Elliot Friedman. Elliot, thank you very much for being guest number one. There is no check in the mail, though. Let's just make that clear right off the bat. Oh, my God. Number one. This is pressure. Okay, I'll try to be good. (laughs) We never want you to be good. All right. First (laughs) off, your job, uh, especially, you know, when it's player movement time, free agency time. Is it really just 24 seven? And you got that phone going all the time trying to, you know, get to contacts and get the information. You know, Steve, like my company is, is pretty good uh, where I work at Rogers. Like basically we're on the clock from Labor Day until July 1st. And they're good about, you know, put down your phone once in a while. But, you know, I think those of us who do this job, it's kind of like if you're not half in, it's like you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. If you're in, you're in, and you constantly feel that you have to try to be on top of things. And, you know, sometimes you get the story. It's like the old saying, sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. That's kind of the way it goes. But what they're really good about is in the summer, from once we're off the air on July 1st until Labor Day, they're like, get lost. If you don't want to do anything, you don't have to do anything. So it's busy during the year, but summertime, they're really good about telling us to go hide. You could certainly uh, use a little bit of a break in in the job you do. Let me ask you about the big story, Uh, John Tavares. First off, simply, do you think he did anything, I hate to use the word wrong, because his union negotiated exactly the way he handled things, so... Technically, it's not wrong, but did he do wrong by the Islanders at all, waiting as long as he waited to go to Toronto? No, you know, I don't think he did. First of all, like, there's a lot of people out there who are criticizing John Tavares, who I bet you have used leverage against their own place of work before. I think sometimes we forget that, Steve. Like, you know, like, hey, all of us out there, everyone who's listening to this podcast has negotiated, has probably negotiated a contract before. There might be some young people who've never worked yet, but um, most people have negotiated a contract before. And if you have the leverage, you use it to give yourself a better deal. I don't have any problem with that. I understand the frustration, but I think that this is a guy who was really torn. Uh, I believed all year long, right up until the end, that all things being equal, John Tavares wanted to be a New York Islander for life. Now, on the, the decision was announced last Sunday. On the Saturday night, I heard it was between Toronto and San Jose. And on the Sunday, he said that was not correct. It was between Toronto and the Islanders. And once he decided he wasn't going back to New York, um, he, he chose to move on. And, you know, the Leafs said they knew Saturday night really it was going to happen. So I think right up until the end, he was looking for reasons to come back. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think he was as honest with them as he could have been, and that's life sometimes. 
Do you think teams moving forward, and a lot of them already do, but do you think this will now be a situation? Tampa got away with it with Stamkos. He stayed. The Islanders lost out with Tavares. That nobody will let a superstar player play out that final year anymore? You know, I do think that it probably depends on where you are, right? You know, I think that Tampa knew that they had a bit of a hammer with Stamkos, that he wanted to stay there. Steve Eisenman read that situation right. Like, to me, like, you know, for example, you know, Florida's in the Eastern Conference, and they've got two huge unrestricted free agents after next year, Panarin and Bobrovsky. And Panarin has made it clear he doesn't want to sign there, and I don't think that Bobrovsky's negotiations are going to be easy. Not impossible, but not easy. And, you know, if I was Columbus, I would consider going for it. I, I would look at what happened to Washington this year and say, could we be Washington next year? Could we be the team that goes for it and says, you know what, maybe, because I think they're pretty good. They just can't get over that first hump. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I was them and the trade offers weren't good, I'd go for it. I a thousand percent would go for it. Now, if you're Ottawa and Eric Carlson, and it's pretty clear he wants to leave, and you're not going to be a good team, I would make the deal. Like, it's so hard, as, as you guys know, it's so hard to win in this league. Like, if you guys were a great team, like you thought you were a legitimate Stanley Cup champion, and Alexander Barkov was in the last year of his contract, and you weren't sure you could sign him, but you felt you could make a run at the Stanley Cup with him, Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm inclined to gamble and take my chances. More coming up with Sportsnet NHL reporter Elliot Friedman on the Goldie on Ice podcast. Time to tell you about Ken Morris and the Morris Southeast Group, an inaugural sponsor of the Goldie on Ice podcast. And you know, Ken and the group, well, if you own commercial real estate, looking to lease or purchase, call Ken at 954-240-4400. Ken Morris represents buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants. And I'll tell you this, he's a class guy. He and his family, he's a straight shooter, extremely qualified and knowledgeable. And that's the type of person you want to and you need to deal with. Call 954-240-4400. Ken and the Morris Southeast Group will work with you with your best interests at heart. Hey, he's a South Florida guy. He's got a great reputation. He's been doing this for a very long time. 954-240-4400 for Ken Morris. And by the way, here on the Goldie on Ice podcast, he's a big hockey fan, Panthers season ticket, so we can all relate to him. Again, the number for Ken Morris, 954-240-4400. You mentioned uh, Ottawa. Got to ask you about the Mike Hoffman situation. First off, yep. off the ice with, you know, the Eric Carlson, his wife, Hoffman, his fiance, the accusations, the social media bullying, cyber bullying, if you will. Um, do you have any idea where that stands? I know it's an ongoing investigation and nothing has been officially, I guess, concluded. Well, I have a feeling it probably isn't going to go anywhere unless Mike Hoffman and his fiance wanted to go somewhere. Um, you know, he's been traded. You know, Carlson's going to be traded. Carlson's not coming to Florida. So at least he might come to Florida, the state, just not Florida, the team. Right. Um, so, so you don't, they're not going to be teammates anymore. I think as far as that goes, it probably goes away. You know, Mike Hoffman has said that he believes this is not accurate, that his fiance is not the person she's being portrayed. and and is not guilty of what she's been accused of. And I know that as we were reporting the story, we were being told that he might 
you know, file a suit or something or demand that she, unless there was something there, she be cleared. And I think that's kind of the only way it's going to continue at this point in time if Hoffman wants to pursue his innocent, her innocence. I just think that for the rest of us now, even for Carlson, now that the trades happen, everyone else has kind of moved on. Strange situation off the ice, Elliot. Um, how about yeah. on the ice? The Panthers, I mean, it seems, you know, you look at it on paper, that's exactly what they needed last year. Another top six scoring winger and some with some speed, presumably to play with Vinny Trocek. How do you think it affects the Panthers? Well, you know, I think Hoffman's a really talented guy. There's there's no question about that. I, You know, we did, a, we did something last year, uh, Goldie, actually it might have been two years ago, where we took a look at all of his goals and we put a clock, a stopwatch, on how long the puck was on his stick before he scored. From the moment the puck got passed to him, how long it was on his stick. And I, I don't remember the exact number of goals and, and seconds, but it was something like he had 15 goals and the puck was on his stick for 18 seconds. <laughs> like, like there's, like, like there's, he doesn't need a lot of time to score. If you put it in his wheelhouse, you know, he can bury it. And I know two years ago, before Ottawa signed him to an extension, they were considering trading him. And inside the, uh, inside the team, I know there was a debate. Guys, there were people who stood up and said, there are not too many guys in the NHL who can score goals like this guy can score goals. Like, just get it to him and he can blast it in. And they decided to keep him and they took the chance. You know, I think the question about about Mike Hoffman is this. He's been on a lot of teams. Going back to junior, um, in, now in the NHL, he's, on, he's going on another team. He's occasionally battled with coaches. He's occasionally battled with teammates. Like, not even what happened here with Carlson and Carlson's wife. There have been some battles here and there. I mean, if he just worries about – if, like, that can go away and it's just playing – He's going to be a huge ad for you. He's a really talented guy. It's just that there always seems to be something, and he's got to eliminate that something. Interesting. Um, where do you think that Panthers top six now with Trocek and Barkov and presumably Huberto, Dadnoff, uh, Hoffman, likely I'm assuming Nick Bukestad still in that top six. Where do you think that ranks maybe in the Eastern Conference? Well, you know, I don't. Without having a list right in front of me, I mean it's good. Like, like it, like you guys have a good team. I mean, I, I said to Dale Talon at the draft because Hoffman, of course, had been acquired before then. I said you got a lot of forwards, and you know what are you going to do here? And he said the players will decide what we do. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, they'll show up at the beginning of the year at training camp, and and the decisions will get made from there. I mean, the one name you kind of I wonder about there is Bukestad. Um, I know that there were discussions about him last year before the deadline. Uh, I think Minnesota and Montreal were among the teams that were kind of looking at him. And, you know, it didn't happen. But, you know, I don't know how often those things really go away. But you guys have some really talented guys there. I mean, you know, hey, that division, it can't be as bad as it was last year. <laughs> you know, those three those three teams, Toronto, Tampa, and Boston, uh they knew they were going to the playoffs in January before you guys made that late run to make it interesting. Um, you know, I, obviously, I think Toronto now with the virus, they're going to be very dangerous. Tampa's very dangerous. I think Boston's very good. I think it's incumbent on you guys, 
you, you have you just can't start like you did last year. In this league now, Steve, I always keep a stat. If you're four points out on November first, since oh four oh five, which was the year this, which was the season that you one year got locked out, it's like ten percent of teams that are four points out on November first make the playoffs. Wow! It's it, you can't start bad, and I, I I look at your team. I think your team is more than good enough. You just can't start badly. And last year, they certainly did that. They were actually 30th in the league in mid-November. Only Arizona was uh, what was behind them. Made that great run, 96 points, didn't make the playoffs. Elliot, greatly appreciate you taking the time here on uh, the first episode of the new Goldie on Ice podcast. Uh, Have a wonderful summer and uh, always good to talk to you. Thanks. All right, Steve. You have a great summer, too. See you next season. All right, and coming up next, we'll talk to Panthers Director of Player Personnel, Brian McCabe. A message from me about Orion and his company, part of the ground floor here of the podcast. We appreciate that. Hey, he's a friend, and like any good hockey team, you need a good team. And Orion and Associates Management Group, they've got that good team. Great team, in fact, operating out of Hollywood, Florida. Prime subcontractors. So all you prime contractors out there, they provide any construction services needed. Call them today at 954 922 8660. Check them out on Instagram as well at ONA underscore management and the website onamanagementgroup.com. Now they also handle hauling, so if you have demolition waste, any non hazardous material, they'll take care of all those trucking needs. More than 25 years of experience, ONA Management has worked with some of South Florida's leading construction companies, and you can trust, I can tell you this, their work and professionalism. The number again, 954 922. 8660. That's 954-922-8660 for Orion and ONA Management. Time now to take you inside at the Panthers' recent development camp, that in late June at the Panthers Ice Den in Coral Springs. I sat down with the team's director of player personnel, Brian McCabe. Now, McCabe played 16 years in the NHL, and he's been in the Panthers' front office since retiring. And I asked the former team captain how he's enjoying his time on the Florida hockey staff. I absolutely love what I do. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to retire and slide kind of right into this role. And uh, it's been a seamless transition for me. I really enjoy working with the young kids. Um, You know, I guess essentially my job is to help them get from where they are to where they want to go. Help them through the bumps along the road and kind of be a big brother and mentor for them. When you were playing, was there a time that you thought this would be something that you wanted to do? No, honestly, I never thought about what I wanted to do when I was playing after <laughs> after I was done. But uh, lucky enough, I ran into Dale down here uh, the year I retired, like at Christmas. And uh, he asked me what I was doing. And I said, nothing. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I had the same answer. Uh, so he was um, he sent me out on a couple special trips, like with different scouts and everyone. And then he sent me on a trip with uh, Brian Scrudland, who was uh, the director of player development at that time. And Came back to me in June, said, what do you like? And I said, I think I could be really valuable, you know, working with the kids and helping them through the ups and downs of a career and a, and a hockey season. So um, I became Screw's assistant. So, so on that trip with Brian Scrudland, when did it hit you? Was it afterwards that you said, hey, you know what? I'm actually kind of interested in this. Well, for one, scouts, they have probably the hardest job in hockey. They're at 28 games a month, and I'm pretty sure my wife would divorce me if I was doing that, you know, with three young kids at home. And You'd have a problem, though, if you were home every day also. So. That too. So, um, But I guess it was the interaction, you know, meeting the kid after the game, the way you can talk to him. Uh, you can 
speak to the coaches and then you know I didn't realize it until years after that I've been doing this now but you know once one of these kids you've been working with actually makes it or gets called up for his first NHL game or scores his first NHL goal it's a, a rush of excitement I'll tell you that it's a great feeling to see a, you know a kid come from being 18 years old and 150 pounds to putting the time and effort in slugging out in the minors getting called up and scoring or what have you so uh, it is a very rewarding job I'll tell you that. So who is the guy or a couple of guys that fall into that uh, category of what you just said? Well, I remember Kosh's first goal, Ian McCosh, and he's, um, you know, not an overly uh, outgoing, outspoken person, kind of reserved and quiet. And to see the emotion on his face when he scored his first goal, it just gave me chills. So, you know, one of those guys, you know, I've worked with Weeks for many, many years. So uh, I've been through his ups and downs and, from the East Coast to the AHL to the NHL. So you pull for guys like that to put the time in, they listen to what you say and go through some of the hard knocks of being a pro, but but persevere at the end. How about those two guys? We'll get back to you and your career path, but what do you think the ceiling is for both Mackenzie Weger, who had really a super you know rookie season last year, and for Ian McCaution? Yeah, you know, the sky's the limit for these kids. They just got their foot in the door last year, so obviously we're all hoping for some more growth this year. You know, different types of players. Weeks is a, a puck mover that could can play your power play and put up points. So I think he, that'll come in time. You know, I, I think he learned a lot last year, got a lot better, played a lot more assertive, learned some defensive responsibilities. And Kosh is going to be a big, burly, shutdown defenseman in this league for many years. Uh, he's very strong, very smart defensively. And, you know, we got a taste last year, and I'm, sh- I'm sure he's going to get more of an opportunity this year moving forward. Do you think the jump this season could be a big one for those two guys? I hope so. You know, uh, it all depends on, you know, injuries, movement, all that stuff. What we do here in free agency next week, all that stuff comes into play. But uh, I know they're going to put the time and effort in to do what they got to do this summer and come in uh, ready to rock. Okay, so you mentioned, you know, you go to certain places, see prospects. How welcoming are and how does it vary teams? coaches when you go into either a college situation or, or a junior situation? Yeah, it, it is different. You know, obviously uh, going in, sometimes I have already built relationships with some of these guys I played with or against. So it's it's very easy to go in. And I, I tend to find the college uh, teams a little harder to deal with, I guess. Um, Why do you think that is? I No, I wouldn't say harder to deal with, but there's a lot more involved with the college guys. You know, you can't take them off for dinner after the game per se, you know, like whereas a junior guy goes see a game, we can go have dinner, talk, chit-chat. College guys, you know, you're not allowed to do that stuff. So it, it's hard, uh, harder building that relationship. And I just find uh, over the course of doing this for a bunch of years, sometimes the college coaches feel like you're going to poach their player. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, at, at no point since I've been here have we ever told someone it's time to leave school, you know. We support our, our college prospects 100%. If you want to go get your degree, you tell us when you're ready. We'll be ready for you type thing. But, you know, it is a small window there for, for college players. And I think some some coaches get very weary when teams start lurking around a lot that the guy's going to leave after his freshman year and then their team's not going to be as good next year. Well, they're trying to win also, certainly. We're talking with Brian McCabe here on the Goldie and Ice uh, podcast. Okay, you mentioned you've been to a lot of places, uh, you know, prospects and doing your thing what is the strangest uh, trip you've been on something that diverted you whether it's travel out of your control you, you probably have some good stories traveling all over the place well i just did my first ever russia trip and uh, at the end of april for the under 18 worlds and uh 
Thank God for our Russian scope, Vadim, who's here with us at DevCamp. Uh, if not for him, it would have been much more of a struggle, but uh, it wasn't like I was in Moscow or anything. It was like Magnitogorsk and, and Chelyabinsk. So um, let's put it this way. The four-hour drive from Chelyabinsk to Magnitogorsk was maybe one of the worst roads I've ever been on. I was scared to death. Potholes, like the Autobahn, no lanes, no lights. Uh, but uh, other than that, you know what? It was honestly... Uh, when you have someone there who speaks a language, it makes it so much easier. And, you know, it was an experience. It was, it was a lot of fun, actually. Now, that's saying something because you're here in South Florida. So you've been in Miami on the Palmetto, New York guy. You've been on that LIE during rush hour. Those two roads, even better than that road in Russia? Oh, nothing holds a candle to this thing. I, I would not want to go back there. I thought I got a concussion because my head was bouncing off the window every two seconds. But uh, all fun. All right, a rough ride. Uh, overall, from where the Panthers are right now, you know, the way – your guys' philosophy is of the way you want to, you know, develop players, bring them up. Where are you on that process? Are you quite where you want to be? Is there still some more things that, uh, you know, you guys want to do? Well, I think we're doing a, a decent job. I, I think we've got, I was telling the guys at Dev Camp here, I think as of now, we got 10 or 11 guys on our roster that have come through these same doors and went through the same development camp. Obviously, those numbers change with trades and stuff like that. but. Um, Moving forward, you know, we still want to build from within. I think that's how all good teams are built up. You know, you can't just go pay for all your players. You want to build from the draft up and develop your own prospects and and have those guys all come up together with that chemistry and bond that all good teams have uh, that help you win. I know it's like asking you to pick a, a favorite kid, which you can't do in a family, but is there one, two, maybe even three guys that you look at and you say, hey, high-end uh, could be a key cog still coming up, you know, winning a Stanley cup and all-star type player or two. Well, the special ones are easy. <laughs> you know, there's no work involved with the Barkovs and the Ekblads and stuff. You know, they, those are guys that step right in the NHL. It's, it's the guys, the late round picks that you work with that put the time and effort in and actually turn out and have careers that, you know, uh, probably hold a special place in your heart. I'm not going to name any names, but there's a few of them around here. Uh, you know, those are the guys that you you really pull for and the guys that you can just see it in their eyes. They really want it. And, you know, after all said and done, when they put the time and they actually do it, it's it's pretty special. Can you tell that pretty quickly, the, you know, the unteachable thing that a guy either has that that fire or you say, see it in your eyes. Do you, do you know that quickly or could a player, you know, develop a little more of that hunger? Well, they can actually, uh, you know, some guys just have it, but some guys can mature. You know, some guys are just young. I was young and dumb and thought I was working hard too for a bunch of years during my early NHL years, but I really wasn't. So you can actually develop that uh, a little bit to a, to a point. But uh, yeah, when you meet someone and you see that fire and you actually speak to them and how passionate they get about what their goals and dreams are, uh, it's pretty evident. You know? Is a guy that stood out to you, one of them in all your time now here with the Panthers where you immediately you, you met a kid and you, you even kind of said, wow. Um. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus or embarrass them either. But uh, there have been a few for sure that, uh, you know, you just knew they're going to somehow find a way, whatever it was, at what point in time. You know, it could have been six months or it could have been three years. But you knew that that person was going to play for sure. Ryan McCabe will be great under a congressional hearing, folks. You can't get much out of him. Let's go through a few players. I know you're, you know, you, you didn't play goal. You're a defenseman all those years in the NHL. But um, what do you think about Samuel Montembeau as far as the talent level? And can he be a number one impact goaltender in the NHL? 
talent uh, talent level is through the roof. Um, he's a young kid, and we actually spoke to Sammy last night uh, that we just need to get more consistency out of. Uh, you know, first year away from home last year, a lot of bumps in the road. So we're looking this season to, uh, you know, get him a little more focused, a little more of a routine, a little more uh, consistency moving forward. Now coming time, goalies develop at a slower curve than pretty much every other player in the National Hockey League. So we're not rushing him. We're we're happy with where he's at. He got to play a lot more than we probably expected last year in his first year pro, which, you know, can be a good and bad thing to throw a kid to the wolves because of the injuries that happened up here. But uh, he is a talented goaltender with a very bright future. In retrospect on him now, was it a good thing that, that he got all those games last year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you only develop from playing. You know, if you're sitting in the stands every night, uh, it's kind of hard to get better at your craft. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we just got to tweak a little things on and off the ice in regards to practice habits and stuff like that. But uh, he's got an open mind. We've all spoke about it, and he's going to work his butt off to get there. Come October 6th in Tampa, do you, do you think Henrik Borgstrom will be in the Panthers lineup? Uh, Henrik's going to decide that. I know he's putting the time in the summer to hopefully get there. Um, I've spoke to him over the past month, and he's at home training, getting focused to come in here and earn a job. That's his main goal. Uh, he thinks he can do it. I don't see why he couldn't. <laughs> he's a pretty special player, just needs to get a little bigger. And you know, I think getting the taste at the end of the year was an eye-opener for him to see kind of where he needs to be. He's got a little gauge for it now. So uh, I have no doubt that he will come in and compete for a job um, this year at training camp. What are your thoughts as a guy do, does what you do on, and again, Owen Tippett now falls right into this situation. Can't go to the AHL, has probably accomplished about as much in junior. You'd know better than anybody else. Can he go back to junior and have it be a beneficial season? Will he gain anything by it? And obviously, you're trying to win games up here. You don't want a guy sitting. How do you kind of manage that, and what do you expect? Where do you expect him to be in October? Well, I wish he could play in the. You know, well, he might make the NHL, but if he didn't, I wish he could play in the AHL because I think it'd be a better challenge for him. Um, he's done a lot in junior over the past, you know, two three years, um, and I think having that ability would be good for him. But we don't have that, so um, I'm talking to him about same thing. I'm talking to Borgie about coming in, earning a spot. Uh, he's definitely talented enough. The question is, is, you know, mentally and consistency and all that stuff. Uh, it's a long year up here. You got to be ready for the grind. So um, we've obviously been speaking all summer about uh, getting mentally prepared for that and coming in and uh, earning your spot in the lineup. Do you notice a difference in him at all from being around last year, from being up with the Actually, team? Yeah, I do. We got a little... Uh, more swagger to him, I think. More of a I belong here type thing instead of, hey, I'm just checking this place out. So that's a good thing. Um, I've noticed it this week. He looks great. He's working. He's leading drills. He's doing all that stuff. So it's really good. This is the 25th anniversary season for the Panthers. I want to take you back your years here in Florida. The 0809 team. Uh, you know, you guys uh, tied for the eighth and final playoff spot, missed on a tiebreaker, actually got the NHL rule changed. That's why shootouts no longer count in, in the tiebreaker. But you guys came up short. Pete DeBoer was the coach. You had a lot of players on that team. Uh, you know, Corey Stillman and yourself. What do you remember most about that 0809 Panthers team? Yeah, being angry at the end of the season, <laughs> losing out on a tiebreaker. I went consecutive years, I think, from Toronto to here. So I missed by 1.2 points and zero points, three years in a row. So, um, yeah, you know what? We had 
a really good team. Uh, Pete's first year coaching did a great job. Uh, and then that summer we lost uh, Jacques left, correct? I believe he went to Montreal. We lost uh, Bomeister, Skraskins, Dvorak, Pelton, and the whole core of that team. Now I'm not talking the superstars, but I'm talking the the guys that ran that locker room and the guys that uh, put the time and effort in. And we couldn't regroup the last, the next couple of years were somewhat of a disaster. We weren't really even close to the playoffs, and uh, it was disappointing. But uh, that first year was really fun. We had a good team. We battled hard to get to where we got. I think we had, you know, was it 93 points? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, you know, it was a pretty good year here in Florida for me for my first year. Make you feel old now that you're dealing with Corey's son? Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I got to get the old men and back off him a little. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah, it is weird playing with a teammate and then having his son come up through the system. But uh, it's exciting, too. Um, I've known him since he was a kid. So to see him actually become a man and getting closer to achieving his dreams is, uh, is going to be special when he gets there. What is the ultimate career goal for Brian McCabe? Uh, someday I'd love to probably run my own team. Um, you know, I'm, Dale's been nice enough to let me sit in on every meeting and every aspect of the organization. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be fun to build from the ground up on your own, you know, your vision, your, uh, your thought process, your hires, all that stuff. So I think that'd be fun. Um, I'm ways off from that, but uh, I'm learning as we go here and it's been a good ride thus far. Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Thank you. Always insightful. Great to sit down with Panthers Director of Player Personnel, Brian McCabe. More coming up on the Goldie on Ice podcast. We will go inside with Panthers defenseman, prospect Riley Stillman, and talk to the team's AHL coach, Jordy Kinnear, coming up. An important message now for an important cause, the Sides Foundation. It stands for Sydney's Incredible Defeat of Ewing Sarcoma. Sydney Lister at age 15 battled the disease, and she beat it. She's doing great. Now, out of the struggle, Sides, the foundation was formed to help fund children's cancer research and help South Florida families with kids fighting the disease. I encourage you and invite you to help the fight along with Sid's dad, Dave Lister. Call him at 954-594-5763. That's 954-594-5763. You can also check out Sides' Facebook page as well. Now, the next Sides event is November 19th. It's a great time. The fifth annual Italian extravaganza at Aqualina Restaurant in Weston. It's a great time for a wonderful cause. Help in the fight against cancer with S-I-D-E-S, Sides Foundation. The number again, 954 594 5763. And thank you. Now, the Panthers' AHL coach in Springfield is Jordy Kinnear. At the team's development camp in June, I sat down with him to get some insight in his career, the Panthers, and his coaching philosophy. I asked Kinnear how he views his role in the Panthers' organization. Well, I'm a, definitely a support role. Uh, it's pretty important for the synergy from Springfield up to what Bob's teaching up in uh, Florida and the standards he sets. It's my job to be that support guy and get guys ready for when there is an injury to get them uh, to play at a high level and have impact when they get to National Hockey League. Um, you know, we want to make sure we win down in uh, Springfield, uh, but uh, it's my job to make sure these guys are ready to have an impact when they get to the National Hockey League uh, so the big club doesn't miss a beat. So is it important what you found during your coaching career to preach the same kind of things and play the same style as the NHL team? Uh, without a doubt. As I said, it's my responsibility. And I get guys that uh, 
their dream is to play in the National Hockey League, and um, I would be doing a disservice if I did not give them the best opportunity to play the same way Bob plays uh, at the National Hockey League level. So that synergy is absolutely critical because we all know if you come up and you have to think about the systems, you're playing slow and the game's about speed. So we want to get rid of that hesitation. And as I said, I talk to Bob all the time and we want complete synergy from top to bottom and so that guy, guys don't miss a beat. Hey, let's talk about you a little bit. Take us through your coaching plight. Uh, first off, when did you know you wanted to be an NHL coach? Uh, I didn't. Uh, you know what? I'm the type of guy that just uh, works hard. I was a, a player in the New Jersey Devils system, um, and I had been there for, for a long period of time through some Stanley Cups. Uh, in the minors, we were one of the teams that won uh, Stanley Cup and uh, the Calder Cup in the same year. I think there might be two or three that have done that. So I was uh, in the minors during that time, and I, and I learned a ton there from some great coaches, Larry Robinson, Jacques Lemaire, uh, Pat Burns was there. Obviously, Lou Lamorello was there. So I was there during uh, some really good teams and uh, uh, some big seasons for, for the New Jersey Devils. Um, and I went away, a free agent, one of the years. So I went to Atlanta for a year and a half. And uh, Lou tr ended up trading back for me after that year and a half. And I had a serious neck injury, uh, more of a football injury, spinal stenosis. Um, and it kind of just fell into my lap, the coaching part of it, uh, because I had a year left on my uh, contract. And, uh, you know, they saw something in me as a coach, a young coach. So I started my coaching career early. Obviously, I was still thought I had a lot left in the tank as a player, but uh, it kind of evolved. And I've just been a student of the game. And as I said, I, I was lucky to, to follow a lot of good coaches. And um, just it's kind of ended up here after that. But it's uh, it's been a... A process, but I've enjoyed every every year I've been through it, and I every year you think, why didn't I see that the year before? You get better, so it's it's been great, and I I love what I do. I feel like I have the second best job in the the world, playing's number one, and and coaching's too. Yeah, I was going to ask you how how are you different now than maybe you were before, and you know, do you actively try to evolve on a yearly basis with? the way the game changes, the way, I guess, people change. Players are probably different today than they were years ago also. Yeah, if, if you look back, like New Jersey the, won the Stanley Cups uh, uh, being a de defense first. I think that still exists, but it's how you play defense. Uh, the, there's so much skill out there now that uh, you, have to, you have to adapt and uh, really conquer because uh, everyone uh, is always trying to get better. Coaches are always learning and uh, you know you got to stay one step ahead because if you're standing still you're getting left behind so I, I just feel uh, you got to evolve you got to study the game and uh, in the end you have to stand out and be a little bit different than everybody else because uh, I always say the crowd doesn't win you you have to train better train smarter coach better all that good stuff so it's uh, I think that's uh, one thing I learned over even as a player that you, you have to continue to get better because if not uh, there's too many good teams, good players, good coaches, and you just get left behind. Interesting you mentioned the defense. Remember the Panthers opened up against Tampa last year, and there were some wild games. And I remember talking to John Cooper, the Lightning coach, and he said, don't worry, by Thanksgiving, we'll choke all the, the fun out of the game, and we'll get it defensive. How do you kind of measure it? It's an entertainment business. And I know speed, and you watch all the teams play now. You know, Washington wins the Cup, and Vegas gets there. That speed and pressure. How, how do you kind of come up with game plans and take us through that off-season process for you as a head coach with your staff and leading into a season? Yeah, well, the, the object now is uh, you want the puck. So how, how do you get the puck? How do you get it back faster? Um, how, do you, how do you have five guys work together on the ice? And 
uh, take the thinking out of the game too because once you start to think and it slows the feet down and uh, so we, we really try to get rid of the hesitation. Um, you know, you don't want to overcomplicate it too because, as I said to you earlier, there's so much skill out there. You want them to be the best version of themselves. And uh, it's got to be fun for the players because if it's not fun for the players, they don't have the energy that they want. So I think it's a, it's a balance. You want the structure there, but you want to give the players also the freedom uh, to, to go out and play and, and be creative because that's what the game's about. And then, as you said, it's an entertainment business. Um, but if you do things right and be in the right spots, you're going to have the puck more. And then uh, feel free to be as skilled as you want when you have that puck. Uh, uh, and I always call it the fun zone, which is the offensive zone. That's the ultimate goal. You want to play in that fun zone so the game's fun for the players. And, and as I said, it's important the players have fun. Now we're talking with Jordy Kinnear, Panthers AHL coach in, uh, in Springfield here on the Goldie on Ice podcast. Um, how do you measure getting to the next step, getting an NHL head coaching job with, you know, keeping the nose down and, and grinding and doing what you need to do day to day? Do you kind of just think, hey, I do what I'm supposed to do, and eventually when it happens, it happens? Yeah, I've always been a player. I've always been a person that I just – you, someone's got to notice your hard work, and then some opportunity evolves from there. I have uh, uh, was raised that way by my parents, and I just uh, truly believe if you do a good job at what you're doing, and as I said, I don't look beyond what I'm doing now. I just look at the group I have and maximizing the skill set there, maximizing the team, and, and uh, the other stuff will take care of itself as long as you're doing a great job. If you're not doing a great job, it's not going to take care of itself. So that's kind of my mindset. I don't look one way or the other. I just uh, work as hard as possible and uh, hopefully someone takes notice. Is that something you also tell the players? Because I guess they're kind of in the same boat. They've got to do their job on your team to get where they ultimately want to go. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, it's it's what I preach to the players all the time because you, you get a player like out of junior college and all they do, and I call it, it's like climbing a mountain. They get to the bottom of the mountain, which they're starting there, and they just stare at the top of the mountain, the summit. You forget about the peaks and valleys and the actual work that takes to get there. And so that's kind of my philosophy is if you take care of climbing those peaks and valleys and manage those down times and up time, uh, you're going to get there eventually. It's, uh, everyone's window's a little bit different. And, and they control how fast they get there by how hard they work. But ultimately, the journey, climbing the mountain is where the relationships are made, the fun is all that stuff. So we try to get rid of staring at the top of the mountain. We, we just stare at one little peak and valley at a time. So it's, uh, it's how I operated as a kid, a player, a coach, and I, and I won't change that, and I uh, pass that along to the players. Working out for you so far, certainly. Okay, I know it's kind of like picking a favorite kid, so I don't know how you could do this, but over the last couple of years, players that have played for you that are either on the Panthers now or uh, you know coming through, have there been one or two – not personally, but from a performance standpoint, from the way they play, the way they work, the things that you put an emphasis on, you say, wow, this guy's got a shot to be an impact player on the Panthers. Yeah, it's a, a lot of proud moments in the last two years, to be quite honest with you, because I see, uh, uh, we always see them in the National Hockey League. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll use an example, Jared McCann, he uh, was in Vancouver for uh, uh, a full year as a 18-year-old, I believe, and uh, then he got traded to, to Florida and was up for a little bit, and then he got sent down. So it was a pretty low time for Jared, uh, but him and I worked closely together, um, you know, during, again, the, t- the peaks and the valleys, and uh, got him to understand. We, As I said, it wasn't just me telling him. It was a, a relationship where we worked together, 
And uh, as I said, there were some pretty low times for him down in Springfield, but he really stuck to it and was mentally tough uh, through that all. And I think he, the light bulb went on at the end of the year and he was first star in the American Hockey League. And he just carried it forward. So I, I could go through a whole list of people. Uh, you know, Mackenzie Weger, we had him. He's another example that probably was at a low point when I got to Springfield. But, uh, you know, as a relationship, you grow, you work together. And I have a great staff down there that does a great job with uh, preaching the same type of message I do and different skills. And uh, you see them get rewarded for their work after their struggles. And I said, I, a lot of times we see them at their low point and then they get to the National Hockey League. And that's the most rewarding thing because I know as a kid, my dream was to play in the National Hockey League. And to see those guys actually achieve that through their hard work and the low points uh, is pretty rewarding. So I, I could go on and on about all those players, but uh, we're on to the next group now. That's Jordy Kinnear, the Panthers' AHL coach, who will have more of the team's prospect coming into Springfield this season, including likely defenseman Riley Stillman, drafted by the team in the fourth round of the 2016 draft. The defenseman also attended the team's development camp in late June. I had a chance to chat with Stillman, asked him about his past season in junior hockey in the OHL that saw him get traded during the season. You know what, uh, sort of the team figured out around Christmas time that they weren't going to make a push for it, and, and uh, I was thinking it was going to be my last year, so I, I wanted to win. And so I ended up getting traded from Oshawa to Hamilton. Uh, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. We had a great team in Hamilton. We uh, won the Eastern Conference in the regular season, won in the playoffs. That's sort of a good playoff, so I was able to get a contract, and we ended up winning the whole thing and going after Regina the Memorial Cup. So, you know what, I had an awesome season. I had a lot of fun playing in Hamilton, and, and getting moved from Oshawa there was the best thing for me. You ready to go pro? Yes, I, that's my plan now. I, I'm not going back. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to play pro this year. Now, what, what, how do you break it down in your mind? Obviously, you know, conventional wisdom would be, you know, AHL, Springfield for the Panthers would be in the cards, but how do you approach uh, the season in a training camp? You know what? I'm just approaching it day by day right now. Uh, I'm just sort of focused on getting stronger, getting in better shape, and, and moving forward that way, working on the little things right now. And if I do that, hopefully things will take care of themselves. I mean, I'm working hard every day here at camp and sort of, sort of trying to leave a good impression going into main camp. So, And then once I get to main camp, sort of just day by day, just focus on small things at the time being, and then I'm not thinking too much, and then I should be better when I do that. What do you look at over maybe the last 12 months that you've improved the most at? And what do you look at maybe over the next 12 months that you want to get better at? I think I established who I am as a player. That's the biggest thing. When I left last year on this time, I had a bit of an identity crisis. I wasn't sure if I was an offensive defenseman or defensive defenseman. And when I got to Hamilton, I actually really figured that out of who, who I am as a player and, and sort of that being a two-way guy that comes from the back end that's hard to play against. So I found that role and, and really embraced it. And then in the next 12 months, I'm obviously going to try and my, my goal is to play in the NHL. That's what I want to do. But really just to embrace who I am and, and continue to get better every day so that I can make that jump to the NHL. Uh, your dad, uh, you know, you always have to hear about him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, played for the Panthers, some incredible years in Carolina. I mean, a great pro, Corey Stillman. What was it like for you growing up and kind of being around the game? Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of positives, but maybe some things that um, – you know, maybe you would have liked a little more anonymity also. Take us through that whole process. You know what? It was great because you get to see uh, – it's every kid's dream for their dad to play in the NHL, right? So I was able to come to the rink. I had personal relationships. I maybe have five autographs at home from guys that my dad didn't play with. <laughs> like I think I have Sidney Crosby's stick and Theo Fleury's stick that was playing before sort of my time of really watching the game. But you, you get to take that in. You see how they carry themselves, how they work every day, um, what they do day in and day out, and how, how good you have to be to get there. 
So I sort of had that. Obviously, my dad played, so he knew what it takes. So he's a bit of a – he was hard on me as a kid, but that's what I needed. Uh, sort of that tough love was was a good thing. He was there to pat me on the back when I needed it. But also, if, if I didn't deserve it, it wasn't coming. So that really helped me to, and turned me into who I am as a human being today. At what point, what age did you have in your mind that, hey, I could do this for a living too? <laughs> I think right from a young age, I, uh, my mom and dad tell a story how – I asked my babysitter, what team does your dad play for? So I think right as a young age, I was like, you know what? This is all I want to do. Like, that's all I've ever wanted to do. But then sort of come when I made Oshawa as a 17-year-old, that was really the first time that I was like, hey, I I can do this. And then when I got drafted, that helped that. And then getting a contract. And now I'm thinking, you know what? This is all I want to do the rest of my life. I don't want to get a real job. <laughs> I just want to play hockey and be the best that I can be. Yeah, me neither. I don't want to get a real job. I just want to talk about hockey. So I'm in the same boat as you. Um, so you growing up you thought it was all normal right being around being around players and being around locker rooms and, and rinks yeah and like i had guys on my team especially when i moved home back to canada they're like oh you played your dad played with ray whitney and rod brandamore and justin williams is he's from Colbert, which is like 40 minutes away and i'm like yeah like i've been to his house like <laughs> like well do you have his autograph like can i get his autograph i was like no nah, i don't have his autograph i i'm on a nickname basis with the guy i look up to the guy and, and they treated me well so I think that really benefited me too and in, 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 in that sense of showing how hard you have to be and how good you have to be and the amount of hours that go into the game. So being around it that much and being around it my whole life has really, really transformed me into what I am today. So your dad played for the Panthers. What's it been like? Again, and you've done it before, but putting on that Panther jersey. You know what? It's, it, it's exciting. I sort of have a legacy to embrace here and, and, and grow in. Uh, lucky enough, my dad was a four and I'm a defenseman, so I can sort of make my own mark here in Florida. But in the same breath, I'm continuing his legacy to be to be a good player and a good person. So, what have you thought about as far as talent around you? Uh, you know, obviously, in you know these camps before the season starts, you got some you know number one draft picks, talented players. What do you think about the Panthers overall as an organization and the talent level coming up? You know what, we're coming the right way. Uh, we, we've drafted some really good players. Owen Tippett's a great player, the first round pick last year in the. Uh, 2017 draft and then this year Desarenko's been on my team for a bit so I've been able to see him he's very skilled he's smart he's got good speed and he just needs to get a little like he's, he's coming the right way so you know what we've done a good, really good job drafting obviously with Noel one of my good buddies um, and Johnny Yang who I played against since I was in grade eight so you know what we've I'm familiar with a lot of the guys we like the OHL guys in, the, in a little bit so it's good to see them here but we're coming in the right direction we got a lot of skill we play with a lot of pace so I think we're, we, we got the draft picks, and, and we're in a place to do something special here. Sarah Noel, second-round pick this year. You mentioned you're friends with him. What is it about him? People, you know, forgetting even the hockey for a minute on the ice, ever since the Panthers drafted him in Dallas in late June, it's well, all you hear about is what a great person he is. You know what? He's just a really down-to-earth human being. He, he really takes pride in, in helping the community um, and being a good role model, especially the young kids, obviously, with hockey being not as diverse as some of other sports. I mean, it, it's coming in the right direction. Obviously, hopefully, Willie O'Ree gets inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame here coming up. I think it's this week or next week. But uh, I think that's what he wants to be. He wants to be an ambassador. He wants to be like PK, which is sort of a good guy to look up to. But that's who he is as a person. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't try and be somebody he's not. He really just embraces that and wants to show that everybody that's who he is. How important is that on a team? You know, you talk about talent level, and you've been on a lot of teams, winning teams. How important are, you know, the people on the team in addition to the talent level on the team? You know what? That's the biggest part of why we won at Hamilton. It's because we had a bunch of good people, a good group of people that stuck together. And we're good hockey players, but we were so tight, that's why we won. Everyone hung out together. So I find when you're 
the best teams are the closest teams. You can hold each other accountable. No one gets butt hurt at each other. Obviously, there's some some conflict when things are going the right way. But when you have good people, that's when you're in a place to be successful, and that's what we're doing here. Do you know pretty quickly when a room is, you know, when a dressing room is together and you have that, and when you don't, is that is that easily recognizable from someone like you as a player? For me, yes, because that's sort of I pick up on a lot of little things. That's what I like to do. I like to sit and watch and and, and pay attention to small details and got how guys carry themselves, and that's what I pay attention with myself, how they speak, how they do all that stuff. So when I go in there and I can sort of figure it out, but I don't, and I'm a vocal guy. I mean, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and I speak my mind. So it, it, it's a good thing, but you know what, when, but when you go into a team that's really that close, it's unbelievable. And you can tell right away that you just, they welcome you in. They're happy to have you. They're happy to bring young guys, older guys, everyone's hanging out together. So when you see something like that, you know, you have something special. Great to catch up with you. Thanks. Thank you. As you can tell, a sharp 20-year-old Riley Stillman, Florida Panthers prospect. Well, that'll do it for Episode 1 of the brand-new Goldie on Ice podcast. Uh, We'll get back with you later in the summer and all season long, all things NHL with more great guests and Florida Panthers hockey insight. A huge thanks to producer Brett Markowitz, who does a phenomenal job. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening.